Everyone knows about the heart. You swear on it, hand to your chest. You draw pictures of it, surrounding the names of crushes or celebrities. You have stuffed animals shaped like it, receive cards in its image. There's even an entire holiday dedicated to it. You can even feel it sometimes. The steady thump, thump, thump as you catch your breath or feel anxious or surprised. It's a constant companion that, even if you don't know a thing about medicine or the human body, you can just kind of tell is important. It's also the leading cause of death in the United States. This is Overheard from Overlake Medical Center, a healthy dose of stories about award-winning, compassionate, and patient-centered care. Our care is all about you. Cardiovascular diseases are now the number one killer in the world, and a major contributor to that is atherosclerotic disease, or plaque buildup in the heart. That's Dr. Joel Wilson, Director of Cardiovascular Imaging at Overlake. I don't think I'm alone when I say cardiovascular imaging is not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the heart or heart medicine. I think of heart attacks, creeping up on you during dinner or on a walk with family. I think of strokes, of cardiac arrest. I think of the endings, the surprise and shock of when the heart gives out, not the preventative measures that could save it. Which makes sense, because a lot of the ways we look at and diagnose these issues that once felt so sudden and unexpected, such as advanced imaging, are pretty new. Recently, we've started using MRI and CT scanners to look at the heart. And those have kind of been more recent because of the technologic challenges around using those two techniques to take a picture of a fast-moving object, essentially the heart. So in the example of uh, CT scanning, what we're really looking for is plaque inside the arteries. Um, that hasn't been possible in a non-invasive way until we started using CT. Previously, we would have to go inside the heart with a catheter uh, to take these pictures invasively. And nowadays, we uh, have uh, enough resolution with the CT scanner that we can actually see the arteries of the heart for cardiac MRI, it's really a different uh, set of, of indications or people that get sent for those types of studies. Uh, the MRI looks at heart muscle itself, so it, it's the most sensitive way of looking at scar tissue in the heart. And scar tissue tells us a lot about what, uh, what diseases are present in the heart. There's this sense that the heart is strong. It holds so much meaning in our culture, both emotionally and physically, that to imagine it being weak or needing assistance feels kind of wrong. That's not true, of course. The heart is like any other part of the body. It's fragile. It needs maintenance. But why do we view it that way? Why is it the organ that we put so much pressure, so much importance on? What did our ancestors think when they first heard that thump, thump, thump? 
Galen of Pergamon, a Greek physician, surgeon, and philosopher in the Roman Empire, spoke often about the role of the heart. It, he theorized, combined with the brain and the liver, housed the human soul. The brain was home to the rational soul, which controlled our thoughts. It was how we made choices or perceived the world. The liver was home to the appetitive soul. It controlled the living forces in our body, most importantly blood. The heart contained our spiritual soul, our passions, feelings that were stronger than regular emotions and therefore more dangerous. Combined, all three parts of the soul contributed to a healthy body, but the liver, the appetitive soul, was considered most important. The heart was unpredictable. It held our scariest emotions, like rage and lust, the kinds that are difficult to handle. You want a heart. You don't know how lucky you are not to have one. Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. The lungs, Gallen theorized, were what regulated those emotions. They acted like a pair of bellows, firing and cooling the hot furnace of the heart, as well as circulating blood to different organs. Gallen's ideas on the soul and on the heart and lungs would be common knowledge for 1,400 years. Medieval and Renaissance physicians did try to expand on Gallant's theories. Autopsies helped further understanding of what the organs looked like. Leonardo da Vinci created incredibly detailed and accurate drawings of the lungs. But why they looked the way they did and how they functioned was always based off of Gallen's theories. For instance, da Vinci wrote that, from the heart, impurities or sooty vapors are carried back to the lung to be exhaled to the outer air. It's not completely unreasonable for physicians to have thought that the heart and lungs were connected in such a way, or that an imbalance in one was caused by the other. Overlake pulmonary physician Kim Chuang explained that that's still one of the first things she looks at when diagnosing a patient that symptoms that seem to be pulmonary might not actually be. Sometimes shortness of breath and cough doesn't necessarily come from the lungs. Sometimes it could be from the sinuses, could be from the uh, acid reflux, could be come from the heart, could even sometimes come from depressions or anxiety or mood disorder. So there's a lot of other areas in the body that can explain your symptoms. And so we try to narrow it down to, and our focus is, is it the lungs that's causing the symptoms? And um, try to help determine the next appropriate step or the next appropriate referral if necessary. If even today we have to be careful and check that symptoms are actually pulmonary, Imagine how frustrating it must have been to see someone cough or of shortness of breath in Gallen's time and think that you're fixing them, that you know what the problem is, and then find out that you're wrong. That the lungs were okay and it was, for instance, the stomach that was causing their chest pain. It kind of makes sense that Gallen and physicians following would have assumed that the heart and lungs affected or were affected by other parts of the body.
Eventually, physicians did begin to move past Gallen's ideas. William Harvey, who was the physician of King Charles I, is credited with discovering that blood moves around the body in a circulatory manner from the heart, not the liver. Soon after, Friedrich Hoffmann, chief professor of medicine at the University of Halle, noted that coronary heart disease started with the reduced passage of blood within the arteries. In 1679, Swiss-born physician Theophile Bonnet noted that the lungs were larger in patients with emphysema and believed that this was the cause for shortness of breath. Imagine hearing that noise and not knowing what it means. Putting a hand on your parents' chest and feeling it beat beneath your palm, the slow rise and fall as the lungs fill and deplete. You know, somehow, instinctually, that it's important. So, you give them meaning. You give them a part of what makes you you, your soul. And that soul denotes importance. It means people study it and trust it. They feel connected to it emotionally as well as physically. And then you start performing autopsies and studies. You realize that this part of the body that you've placed so much emphasis on is small. The heart sits in your hand, the size of your fist. The lungs are spongy and hollow. They're not what you expected. There's no soul that you can see inside. As our ideas on the soul and the body changed, so too did our treatment options. The first successful heart transplant was performed in 1967 by the South African surgeon Christian Barnard at Grootscher Hospital in Cape Town. Oxygen therapy for the lungs was first trialed in the mid-1960s by a group of researchers at the University of Colorado Medical Center in Denver and further developed in the early 1980s. And we're still learning, still trying new treatments and ways of diagnosing patients. Dr. Wilson? I mean, it's constantly evolving, but the, the big milestones recently have been with the TAVR program, the Structural Heart Program. TAVR is an alternative to surgical valve replacement for the aortic valve. Um, in other words, instead of uh, opening up the breastbone and directly surgically cutting out the valve and sewing a new one in, uh, we now can use a folded down or crimped uh, aortic valve replacement put through a catheter uh, and expanded into place in place of the regular native valve or the old valve. And, and it, it takes care primarily of um, a problem called aortic stenosis, which is the primarily age-related stiffening of the main heart valve, the aortic valve. Uh, which sits between the major blood vessel of the heart, uh, of the body, the aorta, and uh, the heart. Of course, it isn't just cardiology that continues to evolve. Dr. Chuang told me about bronchial thermoplasty, a treatment that's new to Overlake and the medical world in general. Bronchial thermoplasty is a, an advanced procedure that can be offered to patients who have severe asthma who are still symptomatic despite on medical therapy. And uh, it's a last resort procedure. Um, and for the most part, it's effective in treating people with severe asthma and helping them breathe better, uh, as well as 
advanced cardiopulmonary testing, such as cardiopulmonary exercise stress tests. And um, one of our colleagues also provide electromagnetic navigational bronchoscopy, which is also not commonly offered elsewhere. So a lot of uh, specialized procedures and services um, that I'm proud to be a part of. We've also come to understand our role in protecting the heart and lungs, that we can't rely on it to maintain our emotions or cool off our heart, that instead it relies on us to keep it going. Overlake pulmonary specialist Tara Bellinconda, along with doctors Chuang and Wilson, explains. One of the biggest things that patients can do is quit smoking. That's essential in order to maintain your lung health and prevent major complications, including lung cancer, emphysema, repeated respiratory infections, which can severely impact your quality of life in a very negative way. So that is really essential for patients to do. We have resources to help patients quit smoking, and I really want to emphasize that that is something that should be done and patients shouldn't feel defeated and they should feel supported and know that they have help from their medical care providers. One of the most important things I always emphasize to my patients is uh, vaccination. It's uh, important to get vaccinated, whether for flu, to prevent getting pneumonia. Uh, Those things a person can prevent and in general is effective and uh, that's the best thing we can do to prevent us from getting sick and needing to go to the hospital or to a clinic to get further care. Exercise is one of the, obviously, the the best thing you can do probably long-term. Avoiding smoking or quitting if you are, there's really nothing that can make up for smoking. A high vegetable diet, really plant-based diet, uh, avoid simple starches, avoid high-fat type of foods, Um, avoid sugary drinks. And uh, some some people would say you can add to that meditation, stress reduction techniques. So those are the big lifestyle type of approaches that I focus on with people primarily. The heart may not actually house the soul. And the lungs may not be giant bellows, but it's not an overstatement to say that we can't live without them. So maybe in a way, Gallen was correct. They may not house a piece of our soul, but the heart and lungs are vital to our existence. They keep us going, keep us moving forward. They're ours. Though, I refuse to say the same about the liver. No heart, all hollow. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his mettle, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. Thank you for listening to Overheard from Overlake. I'm your host, Sarah Leibovitz. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and reviewing us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by Twisted Scholar in partnership with Large Media. Next time on Overheard, The Illnesses You Can't See with Drs. Kellen Koenig and Daniel Fossmeyer. 
This is Overheard from Overlake Medical Center, a healthy dose of stories about award-winning medical professionals and patient-centered care for the East Side. Overlake Medical Center, compassionate care for every life we touch.